Welcome to Trial by Wine. We take a closer look at crimes that highlight how fascinating humans can be. Schmitty, Swanee and Clarky visit crimes and run them through their jury of three, debating both sides of the case to agree an appropriate, if totally fictitious, sentence. Please be advised, Trial by Wine may include explicit or disturbing content and will include drunken rambling. Listener discretion is advised. All right. Hi, how are we going? Very well. How are you guys? Yeah, good. Pretty good for a hump day. Oh, yes. You look a bit cold, it's fair to say, boys. A little bit cool where you are? Uh, well, you know, after our lovely holiday overseas yes. where it was 30 degrees, <laughs> coming back to lows of minus two, uh, it's a bit of a shock to the system. A little um, bit. Yeah. But... And the jet lag. Doesn't help, does it? What about you in Melbs? <laughs> It's not been too cold today. I've been inside working, so, you know, I have this thing called heating. It's great. Oh, well, you know, there was lots of hysteria about whether or not the East Coast would lose power, oh, yes. but we seemed yes. to get through that okay. I mean, I certainly did. I'm good. Good, good, good. Not much has happened since we last caught up, and um, that's me. Oh, so, what about you, Swanee? Any news? Uh, I don't In know. Last two I'm, days? Uh, well, it's been a bit, a bit of a busy week. Mm. Um, uh, and we're off, um, yes. my other half left to go to Europe yesterday and I'm off tomorrow with the kids. So we're just in a little bit of, um, pack up and mode, get ready mode. We've yeah. always got time for a little bit of catch up with our trial by wine people. That's right. So, it's the dedication. Uh, it's the, oh, it's that's the dedication. Right. I'm and so you know, impressed. I do, I do owe <laughs> some, um, very cold and jet lagged boys a little bit of a story so mm. that they can do me the honour when I return and I'm cold <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, swings and roundabouts. Yeah. yeah. And uh, what are we drinking? Go on, oh, Carla. I think I've got a very apt, I would call this a, um, this bottle is a French. It's very Hello, good for packing. Uh, yes, uh, it's a very large <laughs> bottle and it's Evian. So apologies to the Sparkling or still? Hard. Oh, even yeah, just fan. still. Just Fancy, a, a little, but I do have a little DC. I do have a little DC oh. chaser. Yeah, I don't believe it. I think it's vodka, and you've just yeah. been sneaking it in there because you're like, you know what? I just need this before I finish packing my suitcase. That would make sense. I will say, at the little thing we hosted after um, the funeral the other day, we actually ran very close to running out of alcohol, <gasps> and I thought we were we had loads. <laughs> I know I was shocked because you know normally one of those things I thought it would be we had a lot and. Everybody drank a lot. Mm, yeah. And I was like, oh gosh, at one point I was running, you know, going, oh my God, no, surely we haven't run out. So luckily there was a sort of a switch from white to red to then everyone was on the whiskey and stuff. So then we were fine. We'll have plenty of that. But yeah, people were like, just a little drink. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of drinking at my dad's funeral. Yeah. Obviously, it's a kind of cut loose thing uh, that people, you know, it's part of the grief, grieving I process. Think it is. I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, people yeah. sort of settled in. It was lovely, actually. So that and was you a do, nice you get all those have, stories all the little stories that you know people yeah. want to share and yeah look yeah anyway it's lovely all right uh cool. boys what about you what are you drinking uh we're having a uh, little feather top uh merlot today so 2019 Ooh. nice and smooth yeah delicious just keeping it simple mm. for a midweek booze up with you gals <laughs> i hope schmitty do you have the first um magnum in the country are they going to send it to you oh. from- <laughs> 
that, that is, is so low rent. Yeah, I want yeah. to. I said, I'm, I'm going to wait for the Jeroboam. I cannot wait. Um, for our <laughs> listeners, Carla was referring to the fact that I saw a thing on Facebook the other day that said that they are introducing a Magnum for <laughs> cruisers. <laughs> and I love I it. It's like, oh, mango chutney, mango chutney. Oh. But um, but it, I don't know if they'll do the sugar freeze. So I'm, I'm oh. sorry, I can't have the sugar oh. stuff. This so hopefully, true. I can get a Magnum of sugar-free mango chutney. Um, but Carla, you said the Jeroboam. 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 Thank you. Yeah. So. Carla's response was not unless it's a Jeroboam, which I believe is four and a half liters, three to four. Do you know what? I didn't liters. go and check. I was the Methuselah. Like a Methuselah. Yeah, six liters, and I yeah, wrote back the and said, "There's all of them," and I was like, "Oh, I'll wait for the Methuselah if you don't yeah. mind." Oh, well done, darling. I, was like, I didn't have time to go and check, but I thought that was the first one that came to mind, and I thought just put the Jeroboam. I like it. It's so funny. I don't know if you remember this, but in Walton Street, like in a really posh part of London, and I think it's a small, not a chain, but a couple of them. There's a, a like a posh wine shop and it's called Jeroboam's and I was like mm. I bet you they won't be stocking the uh Jeroboam mango chutney, mango chutney? Mango oh chutney. you never know Magnum. but you know you never know you know what don't be rude um because one oh. day Asahi oh. might be our uh, sponsor and we love you Asahi I particularly oh, no, we love, love that. you they That's bottle cruises in our house too. going for it well they make cruises so oh, there you go. They yeah, they do. Wow. They do indeed. Yes. I didn't so know that. I'm not on the mango chutney though. I am drinking. Um, thanks to Tony's family who gave this to him for his birthday, and I'm drinking it for him. I'm drinking the Four, four pillars. pillars Bloody Shiraz Gin. We have Four uh, Pillars fancy. here. Where's that from? We've got that here. It's it's Hillsville. Yarra Valley. No, it's Hills Valley. Hillsville. Oh. Hillsville. Hillsville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. And um, it's very Where's nice. That? Which state? Victoria. Victoria. Oh, it's Victorian. It's okay. on the way to the houseboat, Dale. No, I just want it. I, do, I haven't bought it, but someone's bought it into a house. I have it downstairs. Not the Shirazza, but I have four pillars. I think my brother, would they do a gin? Yeah. Like, they just a Yes, they do about yeah. four different yeah, gins, and they do gin tastings there. It's fantastic. Amazing. Yep. Ah, that way my brother yep. must have bought it. He's a gin fanatic. Yeah. Get a gin pedal. Yep. Not bad. Yeah, very nice. I would have to say I probably prefer my own damson gin, but, uh, you know, I'll drink it for today. I'm just kidding. It's quite good. Anyway. <laughs> All right. So who are we? I'm Schmitty. I'm Swanee. And I'm Clarky. And together we are... Trial, Trial, Trial by, by Wine. wine. <laughs> Nailed it. All right. So Swanee, tell us about whoever she was. I know you said her name, but I've had oh, two no, names no, before no, we started. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. So first of all, shall I share my sources? Yeah, yes, tomato, lad Bible. I've got a, I've got a company. Lad never Bible want to be done for no, plagiarism. No, no, no nothing. They need to lift oh, their nothing. game. Oh, this is I a know. serious Come story. Come on, lad then. Bible God. people. One of the things I found challenging about this story it was like I could find the same article on about a million different mm-hmm. sources, yeah. but I was not. And I was like, I could write this one now and call it, you know, Carla Swan News or whatever else. And it, <laughs> it was just disappointing. But what I have used is um, the Dallas, the Cinemaholic. Ooh. Wikipedia. I watched um, a docudrama on something like, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this correctly. Is it called bitshoot.com? I beg your pardon? B-I-T-C-H-U-T-E. Oh, bitshoot. It's, it's got bitch in it. That's all I could hear when you first said it. Like, <laughs> bitch bitch Oh, my God. Like, it's bitch Yeah, like, you know, at a Denny at me, Ute I, master. I, I, got a so bitch weird. Ute. I was like, I must be missing the point. There must be some quirk in that that I'm mispronouncing. It's anyway. either bit 
shoot or bitch you. I'm going bitch you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's go bitch Yeah, classy. Bitchute.com. And on bitchute.com is where I was able to watch Betrayed Coed Killer 2018. Mm. And I also used vintagecoldcases.com. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Not, vin- so, not vintagevases.com uh, or something like that. Vintage sellers. Vintage yeah. sellers. Yeah. Vintage <laughs> Trial by one, promo code 20. I'm joking. That is, oh. not, a, that is not a We do not have a deal with vintage sellers. Clown so passions, sorry. however. Yeah, yeah. We do 100%. definitely have something set up with them. That's a legit like, yeah, yeah. sponsorship deal there. 100%. For a free promo. website. Go yeah. for your life. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So today's story, it's another one where, yes, there's a murder, but it's actually sort of what happens around the story that I found to be most interesting because I, I'm a little bit frustrated in some senses by I'd, I'd sort of go down sort of an avenue and thinking, oh, this could be quite, you know, fertile territory and I'd come to another dead end where, I don't know, I just couldn't find enough information about certain aspects of aspects of it that interested me. Um, but anyway, we'll, we'll come to those. And I bet you any money when I get there, they'll be the questions that you ask me because you, I would ask the same questions as you guys invariably. So let me introduce you to... Um, Angela Samota. And Angela uh, is an American. She was born in 1964 in California, and she was the youngest of five children. And her family moved to Texas at some point during her childhood, I think. And we, we meet Angela as a junior at the Southern Methodist Uni in Dallas, Texas. And I believe a junior is second year, I think. Um, where I think you're a freshman to start with, and I think junior second year. So she was 20 years old at this point in 1984. I'm always so confused by the um, US yeah. uh, college yeah, I system. I don't probably understand. All, if anyone in America listening, go, yeah, yeah, how obvious. It's so not obvious to sorry, us. Sorry, not to it? us. Sorry, yeah. No, it's yeah. so foreign. I mean, I don't know. You can't just use numbers in first year and second year or whatever else. What's oh, a no. sophomore? A Is sophomore. That a first year? I, I'd never no, understand. No, freshman. I think is for. I think it goes freshman. Oh no, I don't even want to say it now. I did learn it at one point, but <laughs> freshman, junior, sophomore. Yeah. What's the okay. last bit? Zero um, idea. Graduate. Finished school. Zero. Zero. The, graduate. They're, they're all words I know. I just <laughs> don't know how to put them together in a meaningful they sentence. They just sound like they just sound like something from a movie. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. High school yeah, movies. From, from Porky's. Yeah. <laughs> so no well, offense. Yeah, yeah no exactly. Offense, though. Please don't yeah, take yeah. any offense. You've got. I think well, no, I understand the school outside system the US. It's not you, it's us. Like, <laughs> totally, it's us. 100%. Well, about, a lot of, I think a lot of the things that we say, particularly about stuff that happens in the US, we are looking at it through a lens of being Australian and growing up always looking at the US, you know, particularly when we were young, for our age group, the US was, you know, it was all we ever saw in movies and on TV and whatever else. It was so much a part of our, you know, the identity that we saw growing up. Um, even more so than probably England, I think, at that point. My parents watched a lot of English I stuff. Agree, but we were I agree. Obsessed with America, I was when I was younger, the US. So when I lived in the UK, as would you of yeah. colour, the, I was uh, talking to people at work and I'd ask, you know, you've seen MASH, you've seen. Yeah, they, yeah. they never saw any of that. Not like we so did. So we no. had a lot more exposure mm. to totally. programs from the US yep. than the people in the UK did, yeah. I would agree with that, yep. totally. And I, you know, I just. I was totally obsessed with everything that was American as a, a little girl. But now I think, you know, because of the internet, things are a lot more global. It's a, little, it's a lot more different. But, you know, where I grew up, if anyone went traveling, they probably only went to the trip to California where they went to L.A., 
Disneyland and them down to uh, Tijuana. Do you I did that. that. They go to like the Mexican one. Well, there you go. But I did go I to Las Vegas and oh. San Fran. As, as a young person. As a child. Well, no, no. The, the, the time that I oh. went to America, I did that sort of Oh, no, California, I'm talking about Nevada, if I knew anyone Tijuana. for the whole time that I was at primary school, if they ever went anywhere, they either went back to the country they were from in Europe, whether that be the UK or Italy or Greece or whatever, with their family infrequently, so maybe once every four years. Or if they were really rich and really, you know, something special, they might have gone to the US. And to get a postcard from there would have been incredible. Enough about Good that. Good chat. Anyway, but that, this is very <laughs> much the the time in the 80s that, you know, when I was sort of looking at the US and it, when I saw some of this stuff, it kind of looks like it's out of a, out of a movie. Like the university campus that she was at, this um, Southern Methodist Uni in Dallas is, you know, very picturesque. She was this absolutely stunning girl. So she's 20 years old, and not only is she beautiful, she is very smart. She's actually studying, so back in 1984, she was studying computer science and electrical engineering. So mm. that's quite amazing that's for 1984. Lot. I think she was one of a few women who were doing that course. Um, and again, not something that you would you know, be embarking on if you didn't have an interest in it and weren't really bright. So um, by all accounts, she was, pretty much picture perfect in terms of outwardly gorgeous and inwardly very smart. But one of the things that kept coming back was the fact that she was also just a really kind person and that she was a sort of this package that she'd walk into a room and she would light it up every, but there was a quote that was like, everybody, every, every boy wants to date her and every girl wants to be her. And she was popular without having a sort of you know, because she was so nice on the inside as well that, you know, she didn't really have enemies as such. People just thought she was this beautiful, great girl to be around. And another sort of image, if you wanted to have it in your mind, was she was a real Southern girl. And, you know, the way she described, you know, her relationship with her boyfriend, she said, you know, that she was in love with her down-home boy, but that doesn't stop a lot of good old boys trying to steal my attention. You know, that kind of... Nice try at the Southern oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. no, Well done. Good on you. But you know, you could just... like I mean, it's literally like if she wasn't a real person, you would create a character for a telly movie that looked and behaved like this girl. Kind of nearly too good to be true. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think she recognised that she had quite a charmed life, but she hadn't put people off. And I think that's important because I think sometimes when people think, oh, God, she's got it so easy, she's got it so good or whatever else, it wasn't that kind of vibe. It was much more like, wow, what a great girl. She's, she's the whole package. You know, when you see people like that, sometimes you think, oh, it's not fair, but good for her. She's a good person and she she's bright and beautiful as well. So yeah, that's Angela. Right, so... Angela had sort of a cast of um, men and um, attentive men around her and each of them sort of played a different role in her life and her university life at that point. So the first person... Attentive in the way that she might have needed mace or attentive <laughs> as in... I'll let, I'll let you make that decision. I'll, make, I'll okay. let you decide on that. So the first one that I'm going to introduce her to is what she referred to or who she referred to as her Prince Charming. And his name was Ben McCall. And Ben was her boyfriend. And he was, I could so imagine this guy. He was a little bit older. He wasn't at university, but he was a construction manager in Dallas. And I think by all accounts, he was very handsome. And I think we would probably say he was hot. So he had a different background from her in the sense that he was a hard worker. He hadn't really come from money, but her family thought that 
you know, he might be the one because he was a, a really great guy, a few years older, a little bit more mature and um, thought the world of her and thought she was absolutely gorgeous. But So she didn't need mace for him. Absolutely not. Although there were some times where he would get a little bit jealous because she had so much attention. But the thing that he was most jealous about at times when they would have any sort of um, beef was actually her time. He He felt like she had so much going on that he was um, sometimes less of a priority as he sort of, he felt like he was competing with the books, um, her sorority and her sorority commitments and her sorority friends and her Musical study. theatre, work, yeah. <laughs> Should we just wine. call her Schmitty from this Schmitty, point Schmitty, yeah. We'll call Ben Tony. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what you would see is there was a little bit of friction there, but I think they kind of, they never broke up. They were just a bit of time, I have a little bit of a tiff and then they'd sort of make up. But I think it was just, you know, the usual things that people go through. And, you know, she would say, well, you know, I, you know, I'm, a, I'm, no, I'm, going to, I'm not going to do another accent. But she would go say, oh, please, no, please do. you know, go I'm on, a college student. Go. What do you expect of me? You know, because I think with college she had so many commitments and she was such a good person. I think she was involved in just about everything. So that was Prince Charming. So that's current boyfriend, Ben McCall. Then in the background... There was a chap called Lance, and Lance was her school boyfriend. So they had obviously been dating whilst at high school. And oh, right. Lance, right. Say, if she I, didn't have a few. School? Yeah, what, yeah. What she, was that? she had a She's tennis already... boyfriend, yeah. a book club boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was just the ex boyfriend, but they had their relationship right. had started during school. And I don't know if that had carried over into freshman year, but um, they had they'd started dating in high school. Now, he was a really different sort of character to Ben in the sense that he was just a bit unpredictable and, frankly, probably more a guy of that age but a little bit messy, like a bit of a drinker, could be abusive and aggressive and a bit of a mess. And he would turn up at her house unannounced, you know, declaring his love for her, you know, let's get back together, kind of kind of a little bit inappropriate actually and, you know, would turn up drunk, wouldn't, wouldn't be turning up sober going, I think we should sort things out. It was always, oh, you know, I'm really pissed. And even um, the boyfriend would be there, he would turn up and he'd say, come on, mate, you know, you've got to go. So He needed mace. Yes, quite possibly. He no, was definitely. also quite jealous <laughs> of Ben, the current boyfriend, and any attention that she was getting. And there had been um, talk about him actually holding a knife to her at one point when they were together. What? He'd threatened her what? with a knife. Oh, he yeah. definitely needed mace. Yeah, but he was just, you know, joking. But apparently he did have a little bit of a... <laughs> That's the funniest joke I've I heard, know, Lance. right? Correct. God. But he did have some anger issues, it's fair to say. So you, you look at the, the anger and the unpredictability and the drinking and it's mace. just a bit of a mess. So we, we, he's a bit of a mess over here, ex-boyfriend Lance. Then we have another gentleman who is actually a student that was studying alongside her. I don't know if he was doing the exact same degree, but he was certainly in her vicinity at, at uni and really was, I would sort of portray him as, I don't really want to use this word, but like really geeky, like really awkward, super geeky, and actually just totally obsessed and in love with her and would approach her, take photos of her, go up to her and say, <sighs> oh, Angie, I've written these love poems for you. Would you like to come to my apartment? I've got more. I can read them out to you. And he would do this like she'd be with her girlfriend. And she apparently she was so nice. She never went, you know, don't do that or get away from me. Oh, that's very kind of you. But No, yeah. thanks. I'm trying to give up. Yeah. <laughs> did, he, did he do her homework for her? 
I don't think she needed it done for her, but he was, you know, that's Then sort he of, should be most. Yeah, he, that, you could just imagine category. that sort of, you know, they, that's what I find really funny, funny, it's not quite the right word, interesting about this sort of, this story. It feels like somebody wrote it as a telly movie. It seems too yeah, sort of like yeah. tidy, like you could probably you're guess what the next studying. person will be. Yeah. You're not even studying this subject and you're in my lectures. Like, stop. Yeah. So he was... A little, as it was described, relentless in his pursuit for Angie's attention and not backwards at telling her exactly how he felt. He wasn't trying to be in the shadows. He Stalker. was coming forward, letting yeah, himself be known. And his name, did I say his name was Henry? I don't know what Henry's surname, but Henry is his name. Yeah, but in now, nowadays we'd say stalker, wouldn't oh, we? Oh, totally, yes. Mm. Yeah. But uh, it's interesting that you should say that because he was doing stalkerish behaviour and I think the ex-boyfriend's behaviour became stalkerish as well. As time went on, the more he would turn up unannounced, you know. And I know sometimes if you're stalking, it's a little bit more covert. But there was, you know, there was a little bit of that sort of action around her. And it's probably a probably a good point to note. She had lived on campus and her parents had very kindly and very generously bought her a condo off campus to live in. And the way I could best describe that is it was just off the street where it was like a second floor what we would call small apartments. So from the external view, the stairs led directly up and you could see her front door. Right. Okay. And then you'd go in and it was just a very small condominium. Excellent for being stalked. Correct. So from the street level, you could see up in terms of accessing her front door and all of that. It was, from my point of view, it wasn't particularly secure for, I guess, a young girl to live in. But I mean, you're not expecting your daughter to be murdered, I guess. So there you go. There she was. But, you know, she so she lived on her own and had that independence and I guess that also gave her, and I guess other people would see that as more of her charmed life that her parents were able to do that for her, that she had that independence from having to live on campus. I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah. And then the last person I'd like to introduce you to is a young man called Russell Buchanan. And Russell had met um, Angie at... A bar because Angie was very social. She was out a lot with her girlfriends, dancing and singing. And again, I saw a reference, and it, 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 it's so of the time. I've seen her with pictures with white plastic, you know, earrings in that I think I would have loved to have had, and the big hair. And it was very much that '80s girls just want to have fun. They had big mm. hair, big shoulder pads, out disco dancing, drinking cocktails, <laughs> disco were, dancing. But you know <laughs> what I disco? And I say it like that because. By the time I went to uni in the 90s, it wasn't really like that. We were going into that much more grungy kind of, you know, uni bar, shirts tied around your waist, you know, it was Nirvana and whatever else. Feral. Feral, whereas they were still, it was much more going to nightclubs and bars and maybe it was different. pink eyeshadow and blue eyeshadow and all the eyeshadows. Absolutely. They're having the time of their life and, you know, they were always in bars. Anyway, so she met Russell at a bar. And again, he was a little bit older. He was 23 and I think he or she caught his eye and they had spoken at a bar maybe once and she was saying, oh, you know, I'm off to my girlfriend's here. I'm off to a girlfriend. I I got the impression that he was sort of trying to size up whether she was on her own or not. And then the next time that he saw her at a bar, she was waiting for someone and he had a jug of beer and sort of said, oh, you know, while you're waiting, why don't you have a beer with me? So they did. And it was at that point that, he, she told him that she was at um, Southern Methodist and she was studying electrical engineering and computer science and he revealed that he had finished architecture the year before at A&M University, which another, they're all these universities, so they all kind of feel like they know each other. I love that he revealed other. it. He didn't yes. just say, 
He revealed it. Well, he said it in a way that was, did you know <laughs> I'm doing architecture? Oh. And actually, I know of this exhibit that's downtown. I think you'd really like uh. it. Um, you know, we're on a sort of, a, a, not an academic, but an intellectual sort of level. You know, yeah. we've got similar interests and I know yeah, people. Yeah, all right. And mm. even at that very first meeting, he was saying to her, look, nice. you know, when you graduate in the next couple of years, <laughs> nice. I know people who could help you get a job. And, um, you know, that was really good. And just as an aside, it turned out he was a knife collector. But, you know, I'm just saying that as an aside. So she maced the fuck out of him and that's the story. (laughs) The end. The end, yes. And they all lived happily ever after. So that's kind of the scene set in some ways. There's certainly our, our players. We've basically got this gorgeous, bright, beautiful girl living her best life, going out with her girlfriends, got a gorgeous boyfriend who's a bit older who works who isn't necessarily involved in the university days. And, you know, so she's got that part of her life. She's got her life with him. And then she's got this ex-boyfriend who comes in and out of the picture. She's got Henry at uni who's... Henry the stalker. Bit of a pest. Yeah. And then she's just and met Russell, Russell Buchanan, the architect, the who knife quite likes yeah. um, what he sees. Knives. And I think he's using his, uh, you know, intellect and that to try and impress her. Yeah. It sounds like a boy band and their name is Who Done It. <laughs> right. So uh... at the second meeting of Russell and um, Angie or Angela, he says to her, would you like to come to this um, exhibition? And I can't remember what it was, but it was somewhere downtown. And she said, yeah, actually I would. Anyway, I don't think she necessarily, she didn't think of it as a date or anything. And she gets out, and I love this, she gets out her planner. And I used to carry a file of facts around. Remember, Daily we didn't have planner? our phones? Uh, Something like that. She gets her planner out in the pub or the bar and she writes down the date in her notes. Radio, I've got it in my diary. Yep, I will go to that exhibition with you in a week's time or whatever else. This is great. And then when it comes to the day of that, there's some reason she can't go. So she lets him know and says, I'm really sorry, I can't make it. And he's a bit annoyed or whatever else. But her boyfriend sees it written in her diary. She doesn't hide that she's going to go out with um, Russell to this thing, you know, because she, as she said, like she, she knows everybody, everybody knows. So she's super popular. She's gorgeous. Why would she? She's just another guy, you know, I'm in love with you, Prince Charming. Don't worry. Don't sweat it. But But you can't come. Yeah. But yeah, but I'm going to go to this exhibition with this other guy. Anyway, it gets cancelled. Tony, what would you say about that? I think given the earlier comments about them being called Schmitty and Tony, (laughs) <laughs> I felt insulted, but then I couldn't oh! find a sing. But then I couldn't <laughs> find a single reason uh, part of it that was wrong. <laughs> oh, oh, bless! Uh, it was a statement funny. of fact. Yeah, Clarky's question was really about how would you feel if I was invited to see a exhibition uh, by some rando from a bar, yeah. and um, it's in my daily planet. And you see it and you think... You have the same and issue as she did. You're, you are, your very diary book is, is packed. Very popular, yeah. yeah. Mm. <laughs> What's that called? Overcommitted. Is, what's your, your, her dance some part? Some say overcommitted. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Your dance just, part? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She, yeah. She'd be full. I, I feel like she could have gone and invited Ben. The boyfriend as well, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I do that too. Like, to be fair, I invite Tony to all sorts of things he doesn't want to go to. All sorts of boring <laughs> shit that he doesn't want to go to. <laughs> that he hates, but I don't want him to feel left out. So, yes. Yeah, so oh, we do that all the time. There's stuff I do go to, don't go to. Yeah. I think what bothers me is when people can't go anywhere without each other. That that I have more of an issue with. 
getting out and doing stuff together and also having lives that are independent, having your own things, that's much healthier. It's not a bad thing, is it? No, it's good. Like people who would like just become one person, I don't like that. Yeah, yeah, I understand. But also women tend to live longer than men. And so, you know, if I've got none of my own pursuits when you're dead, life's (laughs) going to be hard. (laughs) Go have my own hobbies to fill the time. If I could uh, (laughs) just interrupt you, we've got a murder to get to. Oh. Back to you. It's it's always about you, isn't it, when you're hosting this show? I I was thinking of sort of trying to be a little bit more um, discreet about that, but no, I think no. you know. I think we're headed somewhere. We can tell we're headed somewhere. Yeah. And you know where we're yep. headed? We're headed to the night of the murder. <gasps> oh, perfect timing! Thank you. <laughs> so, was Anne, it penis? Think, yeah, it was. It's I think, you, I think oh, you'll have every yuck. reason to use that word later on. Uh, it really uh, was. Here we go. But we don't have Strap to. In. We don't have to dwell on it too much, actually, because what I would like to focus on are more. The, the suspects and you know the, okay. the story. Rip, rip the band-aid off correct so let's just yeah let's let's gallop through this part mm. so on the night of the 12th of october 1984 so she turned 20 literally the the month before this gorgeous girl decides to go out because there's a going to be a massive night in dallas and that is because now I might need to I might get this wrong you know how like college football and college basketball is king in the US, it's like mm. what what and and then there's like the local derbies and whatever else. So on this night, I think Texas University were playing what U O University of Oklahoma, and like when they you talk to the police about it, they say you know we were expecting trouble that night. There's everybody's out, everybody's from in, from out of town, everyone's come together. It's a big weekend before this. I presume it's a football match. I think I've made that assumption. It could be a basketball. sports happened. How embarrassing. Yeah. Yes. Some kind of inter-university sports, sports happened. Regalia. That obviously very <laughs> excited right. about. And I also think it coincided with the State Fair of Texas. So big right. night. Everybody's out. But. Except her boyfriend. Boyfriend Ben can't go out. Because boyfriend Why? Ben has to start work very early. He doesn't go to university, remember? He's the manager of, on a construction yeah, he's site. he's a sensible person. Correct. Yeah, a bit older. So he says, uh, she says, do you want to come out? He says, he's look, I can't. He's 23 or something, isn't he? Yeah, he's 23. Yeah, I mean, there's not that much. He's a manager he can, in a construction company. Yeah, but he, he, pro- oh, he may never have, he may never have been a full-time student. We don't know that. And, like, when you're he's a full-time a student, life's different. Sound of it. It what was that, Dan? 23-year-olds. No, but he's a tradie. Like, my nephew's a tradie, also has been 23 in the last back few then, years. back then they wouldn't have done drug and alcohol tests though. Like no, no, no. <laughs> but he's up at he's got to be at be sites at like early, six a.m. Yeah. Up at yeah. Sparrow's Not Park. A, yeah, yeah. This would have been. A, I reckon this was a Saturday night. I don't reckon he did. I reckon <laughs> he's right. got um, some kind of agoraphobia or something where he just likes to stay. Well, at he home just doesn't like her friends. Yeah. Well, there is or that too, yeah. and he just is tired. And he doesn't. He like doesn't the like scene. Russell, and he doesn't like. Henry or whatever. She did she did tell him that she was going to invite um Russell out with them because she said, Look, I was supposed to go out with Russell to this uh, exhibition and I didn't do it, so I'm gonna invite him. So uh, her girlfriend Anita, so Anita Cadella and Russell Buchanan and um Angela Smoda were the three that went out that night partying together. So off they go. And I wish women would learn that it's all right to be rude. Like mm. it's fine to say you know, I ditched someone and I don't have to make up for it. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> no worries. Because you've already set the tone 
but I feel like I know where this is going. Yeah. Anyhow. Remember, it's a boy band called Who Done It, so we've got to yeah. work out: was it the lead singer or the shitty dancer? Who done it? Yeah, <laughs> I've already got the jingle. Sorry. So they go out and they have, by all accounts, quite a great time. They went to a place called the Rio Room Dance Club, where they stay dancing until after midnight. Some point during the evening, Russell does make a move on Angela, and she says, "Hey, you know, you've got no this all way. Wrong. You know, I've got a boyfriend." You know, I, I thought we were just friends. He's sort of like, I don't know, not angry, but sort of unimpressed, I would say, and sort of like, oh, well, okay, well, fine. I, I, wasted I can't believe you've wasted which... my time a bit. I thought you read this correctly. I thought I'd read this correctly. But no more than that. Just sort of like, well, there you go, you know. So I suspect around that time that kind of maybe the night wasn't quite as much fun as it had been five minutes before. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's why it was like, all right, well, Ooh, let's go we've home. We've all been there, haven't we, Swanee? Correct. Now, I'm not mm. sure whether they were drinking or not, but Angela was driving and she was to drive, the, you know, the two of them home. So first of all, um, they left and she dropped Russell Buchanan off home. And it turns out Russell Buchanan lived very close to her. I think they were like five blocks away and I don't think they were, you know, big city blocks, they were quite close. So dropped Russell Buchanan off. It was all fine. You know, lovely to see whatever else. If it had been that bad, he wouldn't have got in the car and allowed her to drive him home. You know, it wasn't like it was terrible, maybe a little bit awkward, but not, yeah. not insurmountable, just like I'm, I'm sure she probably had people hitting on her all the time and if she was so nice, she would have just said, oh, you know, never mind. Next. Is that his words or hers that they? Uh, I think they're my that, words. <laughs> no, no, I, that she dropped it. They're she absolutely dro- mine. She dropped him off and everything was fine. <laughs> they're absolutely my words. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So apologies. it might not have been fine. Sorry, Angela. Yeah. Anyway, so she dropped him off. That. I thought I've dealt with that. Yeah. You know, we're all yeah, good now. Absolutely. Mm. She then dropped Anita off. And then she went to visit her boyfriend, Ben. This, I find, is the only thing that is a little bit, not necessarily out of character, but maybe it's a little bit, maybe it's a little bit more honest about who she really was, I'm not sure, because everything else is like so glowing. But Ben said that she turned up, he was asleep, and he said that he'd done this, she had done it before where she turned up and sort of, she was only there for 15 minutes and he says basically she came to sort of tease me and give me a hard time and say, you know, look how beautiful I am and everybody wants me and, you know, you're at home in bed and, you know, my, my boyfriend's asleep while everybody else is sort of like, oh, my God, all after me. And he sort of described it as he, her showing off a bit. Look and at my tits. Like, look she at had my tits. A sort of, look at how hot I am. Why yeah, don't you want a me? A little bit like that. <laughs> and I, I, I kind of thought about that and I thought that's probably – I reckon that's really the most truthful thing out of everything that's been said it's today. You know, very young. Like, yeah, we've when you all paint such that. a glowing picture of somebody, there's always something. No one's perfect, are they? Right? Of course. They and are. I actually think that feels really accurate. She basically turned up for a short period of time, knowing he had to get up early for work to make the point. Do you know what? I'm going to make you jealous because everybody wants me, and when I go out, I'm don't, so hot. Just to remind you, you that want I am. Me. Mm. It's, it's exactly that, which was also, I think, a yeah, song sh- of the time. Clarky, that- you know this shit. You know yeah, music hu- better than yeah, me. Yeah, Human League. Yeah, what year? 84. 82, <laughs> maybe? Don't don't you want me? Want me. I'll Google it go. and just see. Anyway. Um, I, no, I don't but you're she right. could have also what? stayed at home, though, if she wanted him. Like, you know. Yeah, but she's a, I just think it's she's that a thing. Very you know, young she's feeling girl. young and 
confident and everybody wanting and you know and your boyfriends at home being a bit having to go to bed in the morning I mean yeah. work in the morning so but I think everyone else wants there. me why can't you just step up why can't you be the fun guy with me you're Prince Charming oh, it was 1981 I was wrong oh, yeah oh. but you would still have been singing don't don't you worry. Yeah, yeah. yeah yeah it was pre that but it's so normal for a person of that age yeah of of exceptional looks and all the rest of it, everything. It going actually for feels her. more authentic, it's doesn't it? It's very authentic. Yeah. yeah and yeah. that's when I yeah. of all the things that I'd read, you know, ever oh she's wonderful, she's that and it's like great, I I get it, I get it, I get it. But I'm that sure feels was. like what real things go on behind the scenes when you know, in relationships and power play and whatever else. And she said to him, and I this is a quote that he came forward when she popped in for the 15-minute visit. She was only there for 15 minutes. That's all it takes. You should quit your job so I don't have to dance with boys like Russell. So she kept on about the fact that he couldn't go out because he had to get up early for work, you know, and as a result of him not being able to go out, she had to dance with Russell. And, I mean, that's the kind of thing where I think, mm. I think that's I could, bad You advice. should quit your job so I don't have to dance with boys R- like Russell, Russell. Tony. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't quit and your job. And he said he knew. Keep She's, earning. Keep he wasn't earning. that bothered. He said, you know, that's kind of what she did and mm, that yeah. she was just showing up and trying to make me jealous. They had yeah. a, a lovely big kiss, a little cuddle, and then she drove herself home. Then right. we get into a little bit of strife. So about Ooh. 20 minutes later, his phone rings yeah. and it's Angie. And I've read two different things about what, what was said. The first one is that she says, you've got to talk to me, and then – I've heard that that was then the phone went dead, but what I've read subsequent in other places, and I think this is accurate. She said, "Ben, there's a man in the house who's asked to use the bathroom and phone. Um, you asked to use my bathroom and phone, and he said that she sounded panicked. And then she said, "I've got to call you back," and then hung up. Oh, so some God. there was a man in the house, and she's called 20 minutes after this had happened. So he immediately tries to call her back, can't get through. So he gets in his car and he drives to her condo and when he gets the condo he runs up the stairs knocks on the door no sound nothing doors locked can't get in and very fortuitously ben being in construction was one of the very first people to have like one of those um my dad had them because he was in construction as well but a mobile phone that's a car phone so you know the, the units within yeah, the car yeah. the old yeah. style remember, like remember with the them. dot thank you do you just call it a car phone i don't know so he went down and he called an information number and said, I need to speak to the police. And they were able to give him the number and put him through. So he spoke to the police and said, my girlfriend has called me from her home and said there's a man in her apartment. I've arrived here and I can't get in. The door's locked and it's total silence, but her car's at the front. I think someone needs to come. So they, they went immediately. We then have a, f- a few minutes of wait. And then the police arrived. And there was an officer who was called Janice Crowther. She was also a rookie and she was 20 years old, so she's the same age as Angela at the time. And she and her partner um, arrived on the scene. And I've seen her interviewed, like, today was really the last five years or so as an adult. And she says that this crime still, I guess it was really one of her earliest, but still one that it haunts her totally, mm. what, she, yeah. what she saw. Rookie officer Janice Crowther answered the call at 12.17 a.m. on October 13th, 1984, police arrived at Samoda's apartment. It was reported that Angie's Toyota Supra was in the drive, but there was no movement inside the home. Crowther was able to get Angela's keys from the apartment manager. Crowther said that she had seen Samoda's shoes sitting in the kitchen. She claimed she heard her partner say, hey Janice, I found her, from the bedroom. Upon entering the bedroom, they came across the crime scene. Angela's bloody body was stretched naked across her bed, with both legs hanging off the side, 
and her eyes were wide open. Her heart had practically been cut out of her chest oh, and was silenced due to 18 stab wounds that she had endured. It's recounted that her heart was lying on the top of her chest and it was oh, a stuffed God. rabbit beside her body. So Ooh. it's not unsurprising that that has haunted that woman to this day. Ben is still you outside. Have, you should have said um, brace yourselves or strap yourself in or something. Oh, I probably Please. should have. Uh, that escalated she said, quickly. We're just going to dance over this lightly. Right between the eyes. This, this, um, <laughs> this police officer said that as she walked, she said when we opened the door, she said the hair on the back of her arms and neck raised right up. And she said that when they found her, this is what the male said, he said it was the most brutal murder he'd ever seen and perhaps has ever seen. And he described, he said it looked like evil had come in and preyed on an innocent, you know, victim. And I suspect that they, initially they were like, this is absolutely a crime of passion. Her heart has been cut out and they figured that someone who knew her must have done it and someone who was very angry. And Mm. the first things they jumped to were a jealous boyfriend boyfriend or spurned. (laughs) Boyfriend, spurned lover, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not the next door neighbour. No. Although. Okay. So the Dallas PD, thinking that it must be someone who she knows, someone who's very angry, it seems pretty obvious, right, that whoever has murdered her in such a brutal way, in such an obvious sort of like it's kind of there's a signal there, must be someone that is well known to her. So, of course, the first person they go to is actually Ben, who's standing outside and is the one, remember, who's called them. So they pulled him aside as suspect number one. In grilling him, they sort of said, well, it's got to be you. You know, you you were jealous, weren't you, and you didn't go out that night. And he said... Did they say, it had to be you? I'm not sure that Wonderful they did, but they you. were certainly <laughs> trying to pin it on him to be start you. with. It had to be you. I wanted to I'm going to show tune out of that. <laughs> Upon taking him in, they were obviously very intrigued by how he felt about her going out with Russell Buchanan on the, you know, the night prior or the night of, and also the fact that she had stopped by and that she'd just been there and then all of a sudden he's calling and Anyway, it turns out that um, he so he's suspect number one. That's lazy detective. It's thing. bullshit, right? Because if you are with someone who goes out all the time, they've got a massive calendar, they're doing stuff. It you don't have to always feel insecure about it. You can be quite comfortable with that. Like Tony, is this story is this story giving you ideas? I don't actually oh. go out that much. Actually, I'm usually quite relieved when she goes out. (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant. Well played. Well played. Also not true, but anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So the next suspect that they sort of were looking into, because based on speaking to her friends, was the ex-boyfriend. Right. And when they pulled, yeah, when they pulled Lance in, that was when I mean I alluded to it before, but it was revealed that he had pulled a knife on her and that he had anger issues and that that was, you know, the piece that I saw <laughs> talking to him and interviewing you about the being, you know, pulling a knife at her and threatening her and stuff, you know, and, you know, doing a little bit of harm to her, pushing her and shoving her. Oh, no, you know, that was nothing, you know, nothing, nothing, nothing. But so he was a suspect. So we've got Ben, the boyfriend, the ex-boyfriend. They obviously checked on Henry. And when they went to Henry's house, I think there was like photos of her everywhere. So oh, I think that was a little bit um, like on the walls. 
But I think he had an alibi. An alibi. It's like you yeah. see in, in TV shows where... I'm telling you, I don't know if I've just... Psycho stalker. I, I can't help think, judging by the amount of information I kept getting to the, the same dead end every time, it's like, did this really happen or was this made made for TV? Like, <laughs> no, maybe. Do you know what I mean? It was sort of like, get to that point. I'd be like, I've read that exact same article on about 15 websites. Is there any more information anybody bothered to get? Yeah. So we've got Ben, current boyfriend. We've got Lance, ex-boyfriend. We've got Henry and, of course... The kids who she'd spent the night with, Anita and Russell Buchanan. When they went to see Russell Buchanan, they didn't get to Russell. I don't know why this was the case. Maybe they had popped in beforehand. But they didn't get to Russell until, I think, the Monday night. And I think she was murdered on the Friday night. And when he answered the front door, the two, you know, Dallas Police Force agents were there. He was unaware that she had been murdered. He hadn't heard the news, which they found hard to believe. And then he said that he'd been in Houston. He'd been out of town for a weekend for a wedding. Now, where I, what I find kind of unusual about this is it doesn't say that then they then checked that or whatever else, but he was yeah. considered a, a is suspect. That verifi- I was going to say, is that yeah. verifiable? Yeah, I, I would assume it could have been, but perhaps he actually went to Houston. He must have gone to Houston on Saturday, the Saturday anyway he because he'd gone him. home and yeah. gone to sleep, he said. So it was like he'd gone, but it still meant that he could have been in, in Dallas. Now, it's at this point that these suspects, so I think it was Ben, Lance, I don't think Henry had a go, but um, and Russell Buchanan, they start doing some testing on them. So they did a rape kit because she'd also been raped. So oh, they, for fuck's sake. They had... Um, what, you didn't see that coming? Semen, blood and some DNA, I think. I think the extreme violence of cutting her heart out, um, yeah, probably did not lead in my mind to a sexual attack now this is where things take a little bit of an interesting turn oh, okay so now i'm going to just use a reference i'm going to use the dallas morning news and this is an article that came out not that long ago actually but this is the harking back to the time when it happened the police quickly zeroed in on three suspects Samoda's boyfriend ben mccall an old ex-boyfriend that was lance um who'd once cut up her clothes in a rage and threatened her with a knife and russell buchanan DNA science was at its earliest stages at the time of the murder, but police were able to collect blood and semen samples from Samoda's body. McCall and the ex-boyfriend were excluded from being at the scene because theirs did not match the intruder's blood type. Buchanan's was a match. Worse, police were suspicious because Buchanan didn't have an alibi for the time of the murder and had left town the following day. Buchanan took a lie detector test early in the case, which he passed. Because he's a psycho. Yep. Now, where <laughs> I, what's quite interesting about this is I've never heard of this before, and you, I'm pretty sure Schmidt has, but this is where I... It's probably done it This before. is one of the things that I've found really interesting Sorry. about this case. So Ben McCall was a suspect. Uh, the ex-boyfriend of Anderson from a hotel was a suspect who'd been, you know, in a fit of rage. But... The autopsy authorities concluded that Angela's attacker was a, and this is where my point, a non-secreter. A female? A non-secreter. Or someone who which meant couldn't come. That there was no I can't come blood. at this. No. <laughs> no, a non-secreter, which meant that there was no blood in his secretions, blood and saliva. So we're either secretors or non-secreters. Have you ever heard of this? So no, we have what's called a secretor status. And well, I don't think I'm secreting blood wow. into our um, urine. 
Yes. What are we secreting? Blood into our Let me re- semen? I was trying to Blood find a, a simplified or? way of explaining this because it was it's this so important in this case. Yeah, it this basically is... ruled people in and out. Yeah, yeah, it was like, you're a secretor, new. you're a non-secretor. And we know that the body <laughs> said that the person was... And I, I, honestly, a when I got to this bit... A non-secretor. Yeah, a secretor. I presume it's a secretor. <laughs> hey, secretor, you're a non-secretor. So from Wikipedia, and again, I don't find this particularly easy to understand necessarily, but I'll just... Read the definition. Go for it, yeah. Secretor status. Secretor status refers to the presence or absence of water-soluble ABO blood group antigens in a person's bodily fluids, such as saliva, tears, breast milk, urine, and semen. People who secrete these antigens in their bodily fluids are referred to as secretors, while people who do not are termed non-secretors. Oh, God. (laughs) Sorry. But I've never heard of this, and it was the moment where they went, okay, well, you're no longer a suspect, and now you are suspect number one based on secretor status. I'd never heard of it before, and then this is where it sort of just stops, and I don't really know a great deal of what to do with it because then what happens is we now have Russell Buchanan, you know, front row, front, you know, you are our He's man. He's a secretor, yeah? You're a secretor. Hang he on, squirts. or is he a non-secretor? Hang on. I've he's got a check. non-secretor. No, he's a non-secretor. No, no, he's a non-secretor. The autopsy concluded that the attacker was a non-secretor. The other pair were secretors. What do you suppose happens to Russell Buchanan then? Well, Russell Buchanan is then total focus. Mm -hmm. Okay, for six months after the murder, police detectives regularly picked up Buchanan for questioning down at the station. They showed up at his office to talk with him. Harassed, we like to call that. It didn't take long for word to spread. (laughs) The police waited for him outside his house when he got home late at night to take him in for several more hours of questioning and the detectives had clearly decided he was guilty, even re-examining his lie detector results, deciding that they were now inconclusive. They then began to directly accuse him and Buchanan vividly recalls him holding up graphic crime scene photos of Simoda's ravaged body and demanding his confession. She dropped you off. You were mad because you wanted to have sex with her. You went down to her apartment. She let you in. You had sex with her. She started to scream. You stabbed her and you stabbed her and you stabbed her 18 times. But he didn't. What is also interesting, at Uh, this point... Circumstantial, Your Honour. They then pull in a woman who will become very important in the the next little bit in terms of solving the crime. This woman was called Sheila, and I think you would pronounce her surname... Wysocki, which I presume it was like a Polish name, W-Y-S-O-C-K-I. Wysocki, the Y would be an I, Wysocki. Let's say Sheila Wysocki. Let's go with that. Sheila had been a roommate of Angela when they'd lived on campus and she was devastated and was, you know, trying to do anything that she could do to help the police. She was giving information about, you know, the different guys that, you know, had shown interest in her, this and that. She was really working really hard to try and to make some kind of breakthrough. And so the police then suggested that she befriend Russell Buchanan and I think she even wore a wire. They went and had dinner and she was trying to get confirmation that the story that he had told was what he would continue to say to her, which turned out was exactly as he had told the police. He says, now, I don't know how I got through it. I was 23 years old. I see 23-year-old kids today and I think, holy moly. He also didn't have legal representation yet because he had been trying to cooperate. I had no in, no idea what interrogations were like. I had never been inside a police station before. I didn't know they put words into my mouth. I yeah. didn't know that they told me 
to believe what they were telling me. Detective like detecting. And that's what he says, you know, he's mm. not a, an unintelligent person. He's just finished an architecture degree, which, you know, even to get into it would be difficult. It's a whole different world, though, to go from I've done a degree and my world is moderately privileged yes. to yes. someone is smashing you constantly to say, yes, you did this, you somebody. did this, you did this, and you're like, I didn't do it, I, I didn't do it, but I've, I don't know how to disprove this, so therefore, or prove that I didn't do it. And they are just building a case against you. Oh gosh, isn't it rem- remarkable that you know this is what I find not uh, right more word. interesting about this story? Are these kind of things where you go, oh wow, like if you are <laughs> horrifying, horrifying, it could happen to anyone. Yeah. So he said, I, d- I didn't know anything. Nobody tells you. Okay, Mr. Buchanan, if you need to contact an attorney, feel free to do so. Finally, at his concerned parents' urging, he did get an attorney and a referral from a friend after an extremely so intense interrogation session. And that was when the attorney said, either charge my client or I'm taking him home right now. Oh, fuck off. Yeah. Yeah. The police may have ceased their conversations with Buchanan after his lawyer got involved, but their interests only intensified. He was under 24-hour surveillance. They knew everything about him, including which day he left for graduate school in London. So he actually left and was able to leave the country, but that that sparked worries that he was fleeing the country. Police had gained an unexpected ally through Angela Samoda's SMU, which is the Southern Methodist University freshman roommate, Sheila, who I told you about before. Can we call her Sheila? Sheila Waisaki. Sheila? Sheila just doesn't make sense unless you say it with an Australian accent. Waisaki agreed to wear a wire and set up several phone conversations with Buchanan to try and gather evidence. She even went out to dinner with him at a local restaurant. Avocado police were positioned at a table close by. I thought I was having dinner with a murderer, Wawasaki says in a telephone interview from her home in Tennessee. Uh, I wasn't brave. I was just doing what I thought was right. Police never obtained incriminating efforts. But it e- wasn't, though, was it? Efforts. No. <laughs> but no. <laughs> but it ain't, though, miss. The case went cold. <sighs> because they spent too much time two looking at the wrong yeah. person. That's Correct. why. Buchanan oh. moved on, and you'll be very pleased to hear... He finished graduate school in London and spent six months unpaid building models for Frank Gehry in Los Angeles before moving back to Dallas to resume his career. He is now one of the most eminent architects in Dallas. I do not know I how he went from that. that. It is. It's incredible. So Who's in the Frank article Gehry? that I'm reading, uh, the guy who, let me think, he's really famous architect. He's done, you know, in um, Bilbao in Spain, there's those buildings, all the silver, like tarnished, really sort of fluid yes. walls. He's, he's very... That, is it a museum or something? Right, yeah. li- There's also in LA, life. that's him. Yep, Louis Vuitton, have, they've done something with him. He's sort of a, a big, big deal and um, okay. very well known. So he, this guy was obviously brilliant at what he did and he's gone on to have this incredible career and I can sort of come back. And just because he had a knife collection didn't make him a killer. Well, Correct. there was a number of different things, but I think it, we've, we've seen another defective clothing. detective where they're so desperate to find. Her. No, I know, I know. But they, early in the story, you're like, "Can he like to?" Collect but he did. Knives. He did have knives. He, but they were all red like, herring. You love throwing out the red guns. herrings. Anyway, oh, yes, I do. <laughs> but you know, even still, like I, I could say this, and I, I want to get on to the next bit. But there's a quote here that says, "It wasn't their fault." If that was your daughter that had been killed, wouldn't you want the police department to use whatever means necessary to find the truth? I would. As far as I'm concerned, the Dallas Police Department does not owe me an apology. They never did. I'm grateful for the work and the service they did. That's it, period. <laughs> That's from him, right? That's from him. And he's a very, very better man than me. Right? Unbelievable, because isn't it? Because I would have said, I 100% think that if someone's child was killed, you want to spend all your resources finding the killer. 
but yeah. honing in on one person and not following up other leads is reprehensible. Don't make the evidence fit the suspect. Yeah. Yeah, and so many times in the 44 cases we've done to date, that is what we've seen. So now I would like to bring you forward to, I think, 2004. Okie dokie, let's do it. Let's do it. And we're meeting back up with Sheila Wysocki. I've got a small, I've got a small nod to the Bible here for you, Clarkie. Oh, brilliant. Wysocki, so Sheila Wysocki. As our our very religious. Our resident. I could probably pick the verse and the. What are, what are, what are the other ones you say? Well, to be honest, I didn't know there was, I didn't know there was a book of this. Anyway, I'll tell you. Chapter. So Waisaki recalls in two thousand and four, mm-hmm. while she was reading passages from the book of Daniel. Mm-hmm. Is there, there one? Was a book of Daniel? Yes, there is. Yeah. Angela appeared to her in a vision, and First she knew it was time to try and get her case re-examined. Get off the oh. gunge, love. Fucking she, stop taking the drugs. Yeah. yeah. I read somewhere else, I'm sure, that that she'd watched something on TV and thought, well, if they can do that now, they might be able to do that for Angela. So, uh, I see. She watched Law uh, and Order. I think Not it was actually I it had to do with OJ. I'm sure it was somehow related to OJ. But Probably. I don't, I don't know where I'll be able to – you know when you read somewhere one thing and then you can never find it again because I've read so many different sources. But I, it says here that it was because of um, – you know the vision, but I'd also read that, and that might well be the case. It was case. no vision. Did. It was something to do with on she the television. Yeah, yeah, it was correct. Gunge. She Sorry, then got no. in touch with the <laughs> Dallas Police Department, and she claims that she contacted them over seven hundred and fifty times over the next few years, and badgered them and badgered them about re-examining the case. But she just was getting nowhere. No one would respond to her. She wouldn't get an answer. So, what do you think Sheila Wysocki did? Went to Oprah. Or During Ricky his Lee. time, no, she went and got her private investigator's license so that <laughs> she could access stuff. So she worked her way up from cheating, stalking, and love it, but she's cases. a bit of an utter who thinks she had a vision. Anyway, moving on. Oh, to cold case <laughs> murders. So then the Dallas Police Department have subsequently said that Linda Crum, who was the lady who was tasked with the case, they say that she, you know, came up with the idea. But Wysocki will say the only reason Linda Crum was even, you know, directed to this case was because I of can't me. Deal with because the I went and I studied <laughs> and I got my license to be a PI. And then because I was a PI, I could gain access to this information. So I studied Linda to be Crum. able to do that. Linda Crumb. That just doesn't seem <laughs> I know. Are you are you sure this is a true story? <laughs> are you sure? No, I absolutely <laughs> not. It's I just lost not. credibility. Go on, throw me some crap. I read somewhere was, that so she went to them saying, right, I want access to the rape kit samples. I need to have access to those. And at one point, Wysocki was told that they'd been lost in a flood, which meant that would have been kind of the end of that. I've that wasn't that actually the case. They no. did find it. And from the time they found it, I think they had to wait like another two years or so because there was such a backlog of DNA testing to try and solve everything else. Oh, Sorry, yep. Swanee, while we're yep. on it, because I yes. know you love Mariska Hargitay. Oh, so, I do. Yeah, what is her number one thing she wants to see sorted? Clearing the backlog of rape kits. Oh, is There that right? are hundreds of thousands of these that have not been processed. Gosh. That sit in cold stores and Mariska Hargitay is always pushing this agenda and she's right to. There yes. are... There are innumerable rape tests that have not been tested 
have not gone you, through the process. How do you fix that? You put resources, resources, money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you care. Like she you had care to wait about, two years. I'm sorry. I'm going to yeah. go a slight rant, and I promise it'll be thirty seconds. But you Your care about. Your time starts women, now. You care about women's rights, and you don't uh, repeal a law that allows women to take a decision on whether or not they need an abortion as a secondary issue to getting these tests done for rape. Yeah. Disgusting US. Shame, shame, shame. Thanks, Darren. <laughs> Do you know that I saw a thing I saw a thing about Darren last night on yeah, he's he's making a comeback. And yeah. the thing is because I've been away for many years or I've been back for many years, but I haven't, you know, he's not in my public eye because probably because I'm not in Victoria, but oh my god, he's with Linda Stoner. That's the biggest part of the story for me. Linda Stoner. He's back with Linda Stoner. So he'd been engaged to her initially yeah. and she dumped him like Back in the 80s, Back in the I cop think? shop days. Yes. Yeah. Cop shop. And now Linda oh, she's, Stone, she's got shop. like a beautiful a beauty spot or something. She's stunning. Yeah. She's mm. still gorgeous. I was like, oh. I, was, I don't think that was supposed to be the takeout of the story, but that's why I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, Darren Hinch is back with Linda Stoner. I'm sure our international guests would be thrilled. I, <laughs> I heard him say, I've got unfinished business, and I thought, well, oh, it doesn't yes, mean we what, all need yeah. to hear about it. <laughs> go go and finish your business and go back to the <laughs> security. <laughs> All right, so back to um, Linda Crum. So Linda Crum was tasked (laughs) with the case. Crum pulled blood, semen and fingernail samples to be DNA tested. Crum pulled blood, (laughs) semen (laughs) from her fingernails. ridiculous. sorry. Would you like me to say Linda? No, I'm happy with Crum. A luxury that was not had at the time of the case originally. In 2008, the DNA results came back. And it was traced to a man. Ben. Right. Any guesses? Ben, ben the boyfriend. The two of us. Henry. It's Henry. No it's no one. It's a. It's no the taxi driver. No, no, it's a man called Donald Trump. Yes. Trump. <laughs> It's a, it's a, it's a man called Donald Bess. Oh no, it's a random. It's a random. Oh, but it's not even that random. It was random because she was involved. But oh, he lived downstairs. Where do you think Donald Bess might have been when they did the DNA test? Already incarcerated, already in prison. So let me just go through this with you because this is. Hang on, what? He's already incarcerated. He's a repeat offender. Correct. He was serving a sentence for another crime. So, Donald Andrew Bess Jr., born in 1948 in Arkansas, was first charged back in 1978 with aggravated rape and aggravated kidnapping and was let out on parole in, you guessed it, 1984. This is becoming so prevalent in the stories that we do, right, Mm. where these people out. Yeah. Yeah. So that was when he committed Angela's rape. When he was let out, had he found God? Do you know what? I cannot find any information on this guy. I can't find any information on that crime anywhere. And that's why I find it really frustrating. I I thought, oh, here we go. I'm going to be able to go back. I just... I just can't. And you'd think it'd be quite easy. I've got his name. I know he's been in prison before. I know he's committed this murder uh, and rape. In 1985, so the year after Angela's rape and murder, Bess was sentenced in Harris County, Texas, on a case unrelated to Samota's, to life imprisonment on charges of one count of aggravated rape, one count of aggravated kidnapping, and one count of sexual assault. Um, what's what's aggravated kidnapping? 
How does that differ, differ to uh, normal yeah, kidnapping? Like, good, good question. Well, I think it's about punching you yeah, up or the, the level of violence. Are you just fucking aggravated? No, there's a level of violence associated to like it. Like if you try to resist kidnapping and it makes the person angry. Aggravated anything. No, aggravated anything is where you forcibly like, more violence. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but, you know, if you were trying to kidnap someone and they wouldn't play along with that, that might make you aggravated and therefore is it your fault that you're aggravated? Whereas if you're, <laughs> you if you quietly? go into the incident aggravated, then, you know, maybe that's different. I, I reckon you could get off. I reckon you could argue that in court and get off the aggravated bit. And oh, look, I, I, so look anyway, I'm, happy to cop, I'm happy to cop the kidnapping bit, but aggravated. Yeah, yeah, um, I just wasn't angry. Yeah. I, like, I wasn't even angry. I can't come at, what, what's your saying, Shmitty? I can't come at that. I yeah. can't come at that. <laughs> it's, it's not the, the kidnapper is not aggravated. It's, the action's aggravated, it's just my, idiot. It's just my resting bitch face. <laughs> Honestly, I was fine with it. I was not aggravated was, in any way, no, I was trying to smile, was totally for chill. God's sakes. I was giggling most of the time. Oh, don't mind oh me. I'm sorry God. if I was giving that impression. I yeah, was yeah. totally cool. If we continue this, it's going to be an aggravated sentencing yes. as well because I'm Correct. going to be getting now, really... Now, now you are you going to start too. to see me be a little aggravated. <laughs> you two are ridiculous. Yes. You're going to see me oh, aggravated. Sorry. All right. Uh, oh it God, is not a, a case of the, the person... <laughs> If I grab you and I smack you in the head and I do stuff, that's aggravated violence. Well, it just sounds like violent kidnapping, crime. not aggravated. And yeah, but there's no such thing as violent kidnapping. What if you did a non-violent <laughs> kidnapping but you were aggravated at the time? Could you get done for aggravated kidnapping? It's just called a kidnapping. Well, do you get, do you get charged with kidnapping versus aggravated kidnapping? And is it worse? Google tells me aggravated in anything, any crime, is with uh, with disregard to the value of life. Hmm. Oh, which doesn't even mean there was violence. No, it doesn't mean that good. It didn't could, mean you could die. Human yeah. life. Yeah. Of course, well, there's that, violence. I think it meant you're, you took that. Yeah. Life. No, no, I'll but that smack you in the head to the point where you could die. That's aggravated assault. No, but you could kidnap someone with the intent to murder them, and therefore you've got no value not, for life. But you don't have to be intent. violent. Oh, my God. It's not about intent. It's about violence. No, it's not. It's about value of life. Uh, no, it's not. It's about violence. <laughs> anyway, Swanee, stop oh, warning. Sorry. Okay. So it's your now story. we're oh, that, that, is, I kind of lost that. Schmitty's, I lost rage there. Schmitty's I lost going to get charged there. with aggravated podcasting in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Be careful, Tony. Luckily, and she's already done workplace what was it now? <laughs> violence. Occupational violence. violence. Yeah. Take cover. You need to know what to do. You need to have, and you're only allowed to match her level of violence. So just... I, be, I bet she's. <laughs> I bet she's done um, occupational <laughs> aggravation as well. Listeners, oh, sorry. I hope you understand that my podcast colleagues are idiots. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they've realised that. Saying, <laughs> I'm I make no secret is, of it. Occupational aggravation is working without regard for life of others. <laughs> no. Just a daily oh, occurrence. And... Why do we always get to a point it's towards the back end where things start to spiral? Where everyone's picking on shit. This, this is like the spiral. It all starts no, you, to just keep, you just keep biting. Stop it. I know. Right. Uh, give me another two minutes and I can finish the story because it really is not – then we can do our sentencing. So in 2010 – Whilst already serving life imprisonment but not facing a capital murder charge, 
Bess was tried for Angela Samota's rape and murder. During this trial, other women had testified they had indeed been raped by Bess and even his ex-wife testified that she had he had been abusive to her and their child during their three-year marriage back in 69 to 72. Bess was found guilty of Angela's murder on the basis of DNA match and was given the death penalty. He's still awaiting um, an execution date uh, in prison. 14 years later. But this is what I cannot find. I cannot find any information about Donald Best other than that exact paragraph was repeated place and place and place again. And I, so I have no idea about the other crimes. They sit on death row for a very long time. Like we did warn us, we did leave the other day and she was there for 10 years and she was pushing and pushing and pushing to get a uh, warrant to have her executed. So, yeah, I I couldn't find otherwise. But that... Oh, so for the original crime, he was sentenced to 25 years and got out early. Correct. Got out in 84, committed the crimes against Angela Simona, then did another set the following year, got caught there, obviously, went for life imprisonment based on that. So when the DNA match came, he was already in prison and that sentence then moved from that to um, execution. Right. So that is the story of Angela Samota and a case that went cold but actually was brought back because her friend, and this is where I can tell you there's about a million different articles about Sheila. Really hard. Really hard, Sorry, Angela. Sheila just would not let it, you know, sleeping dogs lie. And there is one lovely thing which is a result of this cold case being so successful. In 2016, the Dallas Police Department re-established a unit dedicated to researching cold cases, and it was on the back of Donald Best being matched. He's still, yeah, it says here, he still remains on death row with no execution date set. She's buried in Texas, and the um, woman Sheila Wysocki lives in Tennessee and is still a practising PI. There you well, go. Good on her. So shall I open the floor and ask if anybody would care to sentence? Any one of these characters in our Angela Samota hmm. case? Well, I think there's a fair amount of defective detecting mm-hmm. going on yeah. here. And I do feel for the individual otherwise known as Russell who was harassed and harangued for a vast period of time. I, I'm all, you know, hats off to you, mate, for continuing to finish off your uh, education and have a career and not be incredibly impacted by this because you can imagine that would happen. So uh, I think the original investigators were just lazy to some degree to say, oh, it's the nearest, nearest and dearest and that's as far as we're going to cast the net. It's 84, so to be fair, from a record-keeping perspective, it might not have been easy to pick up. Like, you know, this is pre-computers pretty much. I know she was doing computer technology yeah. or something. What was she doing? But computing was very rudimentary at that yeah. point in time. Yeah, we didn't have international or statewide uh, databases, etc. So I'm okay with the fact that people didn't pick up that this guy had been a uh, an offender prior, had just been released. But people should have recognize that x person who's done similar stuff has been released and we'll look at them but 
because maybe it was because DNA was really new and the secreta non secreta thing was a new technology. Yeah. Everyone got a bit distracted by that, I think. I'm going to send the actual rapist and murderer. Yeah, Donald Bess. Back to our mate, our mate, try by wine that we, and uh, not Waterworld. Not Waterworld. Because Donald Bess can be an uh, inaugural or, you know, first person who he can cut the ribbon of not Waterworld <laughs> and he can go in there and he can have some sandpaper slides and some uh, alcohol, you know, rubbing, rubbing alcohol, alcohol. Yeah. Because. He ruined not just the life of Angela, but so many people around yeah. her. I'm very comfortable with Sam Clarky's sandpaper slides because he loves them, and rubbing alcohol and feces and whatever. And that's where that guy's going. I would love to reverse the whole situation. You know, if we had the real turn back time machine, uh, where she gets home, she goes to Ben's and she yeah. stays at Ben's for f- more than 15 minutes. She just stays the night because that may not have happened to her if she just I think the reality the is that it may not have happened to Angela, but judging by this guy's murder operandi, I'm pretty sure it would be someone else. He would have yeah. attacked someone it, else. It's just where you – so if we go back to where we were originally thinking that it – and you, it, it points to a crime of passion, doesn't it? Oh, my God, she's upset someone so much – that they they feel they've got to cut a heart out. Well, actually, it wasn't even that. He's just a bit of a monster, just gone in, you know, raped her and then savagely killed her. But I and the thing is, because I can't find any information on what did he have a motive? Did he was there a connection with it? There's nothing. I can't find that. It's just the DNA matches. He was guilty, but it's very difficult to paint a picture around why he was. Well, forgive my French, but it's so fucked up. What that's what I that's where it's difficult to match a sentence to. His backstory, yeah. He's just I, a, I mean, that's he's just a monster. Harsh, but I, no, I don't enough. give a shit. He's a monster. And let's go back. So I'm going to go back a step further and say you're absolutely right. If he didn't attack Angela else. Hill, yeah. attack someone else. So the parole. <laughs> either he doesn't yeah. get out of jail, or he goes to, from jail to trial by yes. I like that. Down the slide and right up there with the fucking rubbing alcohol and. You know, peasant world, everyone can step on his eyeballs while he's there in his head. I don't care. This guy, this guy is dead dead to me. (laughs) I basically am saying that I cannot understand how an individual like that gets out. I just don't get it. Whilst um, Whilst he's writhing in pain from the rubbing alcohol, applied to the sandpaper wounds, can we give him a good old fashioned schmitty glass rotting? Well, I was, I, I, I know I don't like to sort of go down these sort of avenues, but I definitely think he needs to be made impotent, you know, as a, I think as a, at a starting basic entry level. Trust me. Yeah. For, we'll do the job. Rod will for, do that. Yeah, yeah. For people who mm-hmm. are just um, tuning in, Schmitty, do you want to ex- explain the old glass writing oh. punishment? Oh, no, I can't listen to it. Mm. Okay. So. Ouch. No, 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 no. Well, beyond that. Many, many, many years ago when I talked to my older sister, about the um, injustice of rape and the horror of rape, she said to me, I think that rapists should have a glass rod basically inserted in their urethra and shattered because then, you know, it would be very difficult to rape anyone and you'd be in a lot of pain. 
And I remember having Carla's reaction going, that's terrible, that's awful. But the more we do these stories and then, like, okay, I sound like a complete right-wing nutter, but. Well, you know. There's got to be some come up, come up. They've got to get their come up. The thing is, we were, I don't know about you, Clarkie, but yeah, I was lined I up to believe Russell was a, and I know, and look at your <laughs> little grin there. You knew. But I didn't you know how to get, I didn't know how to sort of bring the story to you because it, the, 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 the woman, um, Sheila, was positive it was going to be Buchanan. And she said yeah, that day, she, she said, I did not know what to do yeah. the day that it came back and it wasn't him. She said, I, that my whole life has been, the last 20 years, has been believing that it's him and I'm going to find it and I'm going to do her the justice that she deserves and we're going to put him away. And I guess his career was going, so she's watched the other way and actually he's the one going, yeah, well, it doesn't define me. I knew it wasn't just me. Just as much a victim um, of the situation. But you know that- I'm sure she gave him a very uh, meaningful apology for all of the grief that she uh, put him through as well. Um, I I just think it's like the the <laughs> um, boy band who done it that we were joking about at the start. But you know, like with the Beatles, there was the fifth Beatle. Yeah. We, we yeah. had the four members of who done it, but there's a fifth member. Donald Best, the, the fifth member of the. <laughs> yeah, the fifth member of who done it. Who was it, Tony? It was oh. <laughs> ah. No, who was the fifth member of the Beatles? <laughs> it was uh, Pete. Smith? He's been, he doesn't you, even remember, yeah, even yeah, though it was yeah. his with that era. very unique anyway. name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Isn't he the man who's like the voice of Channel 9? He was a voiceover point? man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I think you're right, Schmitty, that, that he needs a punishment. I'm also just a little bit, again, annoyed about miffed. the whole parole system. Miffed. I'm, I'm totally yeah, miffed. miffed. I'm perturbed. I'm fucked <laughs> off. I'm I'm aggravated. I'm ag- aggravated. This could be an aggravated sentencing, Schmitty. Yeah, without regard for life. The um, <laughs> I'm just sick of parole boards who like he was charged with 25 years and they let him off after seven or eight or something or or maybe less. Like. The parole system is about how they behave within. Oh, what a load of old shit! <laughs> they <laughs> might have been go. overrun. I'm not copping that. No, no. If he gets 25 years, he doesn't get out in five. I don't care. And it's for rape. You know, they didn't glass rod him and let him out in five. It was, it was six they years. They gave him 78 to 84, Clarkie. So you're right. So yeah. Like six and years so then, it's the parole. So he gets system, out. He rapes someone, murders them, gets away with it. Then the next year gets convicted again of rape. Like that, he wasn't rebellious. He wasn't re. John Wayne Gacy raped a young boy and got out ten months if, later. If you're yeah. using, it sticks in my if mind. If you're using that so as offensive. an example of why it's okay what they did here, of why let's shame, 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 shame. Some, <laughs> correct. Well, that's why I said I don't want to sound like well, a don't then. socialist. Just, I don't. Just, I don't necessarily agree with it. I'm just saying perhaps from the point of view of the parole board, it's all about their behaviour once they're well, in Well, it ain't, though, right? is it? Because so... they've got to rehabilitate oh, people no. and they... Or is it? Is it, though? You can spend 25 years behaving well and you'll get out in 25 years. If you spend 25 years behaving like an asshole, you'll probably get your sentence extended. I'm simply trying to be a level person to say, well, this is maybe why that happened. It's also okay and just you to can agree. you shoot it down as much as you like. I agree <laughs> with you. 
And that's why I said I don't want to sound like a lefty socialist, but I think this is how the uh, justice system works in that once you're in a jail and once you're doing stuff, they go, oh, they're not that bad. But we have covered this before where, you know, we can have a rapist who likes to rape women in an all-male jail, not raping anyone, so we'll let them out, and then they fucking rape people again. That's a good point. So, you know, not okay. It's an it's an ex, but they do because yeah. in the environment that they're being judged in, yeah. there's no availability to rape anyone because they like the vajayjay. They don't that has like the never bum-hole. crossed my mind, but it's very so, true. I'm not even. That's how dumb I am. That has never crossed my mind because it's. You're right in the context of but where they are being confined. Yeah, where you are, well, what, you could yes. be brilliant because it'd you're be not like me, like with food. Yes, if available. it's not available, I could be wonderful. But the moment it's available, I'm like, <laughs> I know. Oh my lord! <laughs> I just spilled my drink down my front, laughing at it your is like me with food. food. Mm. Anyway, sorry, Clarky. No, please. I'm, I'm still trying to make sense of uh, of your actual point through all of that. <laughs> I am just sick to death of parole boards letting people off because they've been nice for a few years when they've had a 25-year sentence. Yeah. It's nonsense. It's not okay. They're just doing a shit job. So uh, I'm not okay with that. I'm not sure they need – if they legitimately think he's re- he's rehabilitated and it's close to the punishment, right, because it's not just about rehabilitation. There's also an element of punishment then I think that's okay. But he hasn't done the the punishment component and there's nothing really that says he's been rehabilitated because, to your point, there's been no temptation there. So, you know, naive parole board, uh, go and take a good hard look at yourselves. I'm going to give them a mirror, but it's really just going to be glass and on the other side of the glass is Medusa. (laughs) So when they have a good hard look in the mirror, they'll turn to stone. Yeah. And then they don't have to be in that position anymore. So that that's them done. Oh I my don't god! Like my kids that. could be doing a bit of the Greek mythology um, <laughs> sentencing. Yeah, I like. see, they love that. Yeah, we have just been to Greece. So oh, you know, that's why it's you know top of mind. I guess yes. Top of mind. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So yes, that's how the parole board go. The the police, I'm kind of a little bit sympathetic to because they've probably been a little bit misled by science or misinterpreted science. I don't think anyone who knew DNA testing at the time would have said if you're a secretor, you're therefore guilty of Non-secretor. This crime. Yeah. Hmm. yeah, or a non-secretor. Exactly right. Sorry, and he was a non-secretor. Um, I would like to punish whoever came up with the word secretor <laughs> that, that then could be used as proof or evidence in oh, a rape kit. A secretor that just... You know, when we think of words like moist you mean Ox- and... The Oxford um, English Dictionary or Merriam-Webster. Uh, no, 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 because there would have been a scientist who said we're going to call that secreta. Not, you know, that, it's not It's not the word secretion I have an issue with. It's secreter. It's people who are studying blood proteins and people who therefore secrete them in their bodily fluids that then get used in rape kits. Like it's all just too much, you know. Mm. There's got to be a better word. So they, they get a little bit of some kind of punishment. Schmitty, can you give them a punishment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so people who come up with words that aren't really good words need to find themselves in a situation where a giant dictionary 
is so I thought you were going to say. <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah, you yeah. I'm glad that, that wasn't a short, a one-syllable uh, word. Giant dictionary is you know halfway open, and you're going to put an extremity of yours in the uh, giant dictionary that will be clasped, uh, yeah. you know, like closed very quickly. On your extremity, you can choose whether it's your leg, your arm, your head, your penis. Good work. Don't care. Your breasts. Yeah. But that is, you you may have that choice because, you know, life's all about choice. Yeah. That's your punishment. I like it. When we heard the word secreta as a term with rape kits, none of us thought it had anything to do with blood proteins being um, in your saliva. Yeah, correct. And that's why I have an issue with the word secreta. Swanee. As the person who has spent a hell of a lot of time looking at this, what are your thoughts on the sentencing? Well, I I tend to be a little bit with Clarky on, you know, the the police situation. I think that there's been lots of situations in the past where it's been very clear there's been defective detective work. And I think in some ways these people were trying so hard because they thought they had the right person that they they pushed too hard. So... um, you know, it wouldn't, I would, obviously wouldn't want it to happen to anyone, but I don't think that their motivation was wrong. I just think that they were desperate to get a conviction. A conviction. That's the word I'm so tired this word. A clearance. Yeah, yeah correct. A clearance. And really the only other situation that I you know, would address is I don't really understand how Donald Bess was back on the street. I really don't. It wasn't as if he was in jail for 25 years because he had gone to a bar, took a girl home and it, it turned into something he wasn't supposed to. Whatever else. This idea of kidnapping people at the very start before you even Aggravated. Get, well, I, didn't, oh, I, didn't want, I didn't want to get you started again. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to start that whole downward spiral. But the idea of the physical act of going and kidnapping someone to take them somewhere to undertake your evilness, <laughs> it's not... This sort of coincidental kind of evil and I, I, I was in a rage. Your depravity. I know. Your depravity. So Your depravity. That's yeah. the your naughtiness. You know, just so bad. <laughs> naughtiness. <is>, your naughtiness. <laughs> but you know, it's so, evilness. I can't believe I said that. I'm so embarrassed. But it's so premeditated and so. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's the lowest Contrived. of the It is, and it's not worth six years. And no. again, so then who am I punishing? I'm back to well, what, the politicians who determine what... The parole what, board. The parole Prick. board. I mean, who let him yeah. out? Yes. So and the prick himself. He, mm. Well, of course him. But, I mean, the system has really, yet again, let someone like poor Angela down. So I'll just leave it at that. I don't I don't really have a, a punishment for that. It just is... I'll send you all to... Trial by wine, yes. down the slide, yep. sandpaper, yep. rubbing alcohol, and Clarky got something else to top on top of them because you know a what? A bit of salt? You're shitful. You're shitful. Go on. But just say to them one more time and you get the glass rod as well. One more time. Be better. In my mind, that's Mr. Best. He gets the glass rod. Yeah. yeah totally. De- yeah. Well, and, you know, deservedly, he's just an animal. Um, Correct. Yeah. Yes. So I think we're well. Hmm. All right. Well, a upbeat ending to a really <laughs> quite horrific crime. Pretty harsh show. I look forward to editing it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, well done, Swanee. And I know you're about to go to Europe. And have a lovely time. And I wish you yeah, all the best. Your face. Have a good time. Yeah. Woo. <laughs>
Yeah. I think it's a little bit All of smiles. It's, it's it's part relief for having um you did a great job story and part the reality of looking at the clock and wondering what I've got to do next, which job, go and feed the kids, go and pack the bags, go and walk the dog, go and do all that sort of stuff. But anyway. Okay. Go and kidnap someone. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, and I'll see Glass if I can get someone Glass else. Rod. Glass, Glass Rod. Glass Rod. Glass Rod. Thank you very much, guys. Great show. And I miss you already. See you next time, guys. Ciao. See well done. Love you a long time. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to Trial by Wine. You can contact us at trialbywine at gmail.com. Please rate, review and subscribe to Trial by Wine on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to support us, you can become a patron at www.patreon.com, Trial by Wine. Or visit our website, www.trialbywine.com to donate to us. Your support will help us cover many more cases and apply wacky sentences. We really appreciate you listening and hope you tell everyone about us. Our cover art is by John Christo and music is by Beauchamp from pixabay.com.